ultimately we both ended up at Capital together, but we've known each other now for at least 10 years. But I, oh, I say, we, you know, wow. we've, been, we've been close to the sort of last three years or so and being at Capital together, girls together, we definitely, definitely bonded. Didn't well, we? we were the only girls on the programming team and yeah, you know, we've had our ups and downs, not with each other, but you know, just in life and we were always there for each other, weren't we? So. And you invited yourself on my hand so after that, I just didn't <laughs> have You a had the best hand because of me. <laughs> we won't right? talk about what happened on that right now. Oh, okay. Better not. But uh, let's talk about sports on the radio, which is why you're here, Michelle. You're going to be my co-host. Except, you know, I've only just given you that role as a co-host just for a bit of clarification. Okay. So you're going to be more like sitting with a special guest and yeah, I'm going to I'm be excited. talking to you about sports. But, you know, when it comes to me and sports on the radio, I feel I've had some very bizarre memorable encounters when it comes to to meeting sports stars yeah <laughs> like to be think, fair think what you've done you, so Tyson, Tyson Fury, Fury that was amazing that is Tyson like my fate that was my favorite thing that I did last year I managed Interview to yeah and you know I feel really lucky because I feel I spoke to Tyson at a really significant point in his life his entire livelihood his boxing career was just hanging in limbo mm. he didn't know whether he was going to fight again and two years previous you know he just beat in Klitschko he was heavyweight champion of the world nicked all of his belts and yet you know he was talking about boxing mm. not knowing whether he was ever going to step in the ring again and you could just tell it was killing him inside but he was open and honest such a lovely gentleman and I, I do feel super honoured to have just sat down and had that chat with him mm. and, and he doesn't do Q&A's and you no, him, so that was massive and that then, was huge oh also, not mentioned. Do not mention the. the oh no, gigs. I'm going to mention that. <laughs> also, last year Polly went viral for turning the now Wales manager, who she will be have to work with a little I know. bit. Uh, she turned him into a deer on Snapchat, and that went viral. And uh, last year you did actually get some some more positive. What's- more positive experience rather than turning Ryan Giggs into a deer is the Champions League, of course. Of course. The cha- now, the Champions League was amazing for Capital. It was in Cardiff. Yeah, it was in Cardiff. And we actually, as a station on Capital South Wales, you know, we focus on music and entertainment and showbiz. But we actually picked up a nomination at the ARIA Awards, which are like the Radio Oscars for Best Branded Content and Partnership mm. for the work that we did you know, during that week of the Champions League final and, you know, for, for our relationship with UEFA. It was incredible and Polly actually learned something about football. Um, I did. My my other proud moment, by the way, on Capital mm. is is bringing Michael Van Gerwen from the darts oh, world onto Capital Breakfast. Him. No, I just, it's not that I fancy him, but like darts on Capital on South Wales' number one hit music station. And that's a proud moment in. for me. No, I'm not, not getting the plugs in. Now, like. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure no other capital has brought, like, no. the PDC then, on air. But there we are. Like, we can see, actually, how much you do love sport. You I might, do. You might yeah. not be a sports pre- presenter or broadcaster like myself. Or not yet, guest. Michelle. You stalked me oh, and now I'm stalking gosh, you. please no. Hello, Scott. Hey, hey, Jeff. Anyway, uh, let's, let's go. <laughs> We're standing outside. Let's I know, go okay, and meet right. our special guest. Get in from now, the cold. But before we go in, I need to pre-warn you because I kind of have hooked us up with this special guest. Mm. It, a really huge established broadcaster, right? And I know that you're going to love him, but I know that he loves you as well. Like he adores what? you. Oh, Paul, he has he a big crush before. on you. So let's go. Oh, let's go and meet our special guest. We're in the centre of London. Let's go and do this right now. Oh hi! Hello. Imagine seeing you here. We did not record this after the interview. We have never met before. Hello, come on Hello. into my house. Thank you. Oh, we've been here before, it seems. The BBC Five Live host of Fighting Talk is Colin Murray. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thank well, you for having us here. Yeah. Welcome to my house. It's a lovely house. Are you looking at it and thinking, oh god, this is so badly decorated? What I'm, no. wa- what I'm wondering is, why is that Northern Ireland shirt? So it looks teeny that's hanging up over there. Yeah, yeah that's, that like that's, that's from 
it's it's not mine. It was it was bought to me as a present. But that is um, the top where I suppose when I first watched football and understood football. Oh, which yeah. so for example, when Northern Ireland drew with England at Wembley to qualify for the '86 World Cup. Vintage shirt. So that's our '80s, and that's quite like the one we have now is quite similar. Actually, it, it just is. has the wee stripes down the side. But um, it's uh, yeah, I'll have little touches of Northern Ireland all over the flat. I think. Yeah, he's got some it's Russian dolls just by the TV there. A Russian doll set of Northern Ireland, yeah. Northern Ireland footballers, which I love. And I can Ra- see... Randomly, Shane Ferguson being the smallest one. Yeah, we can't work that out. But the big, <laughs> the big, the big ones always. Kyle Lafferty, of course, has to be seven foot and all that. Big centre forward. <laughs> You're obviously a big fan of baseball as well. You've it's got my big... number one sport, believe it really? or not. I'm a, a baseball obsessive, yeah. Wow. I, I love my football, but I'm a baseball obsessive, yeah. I go, I go every sport? year. Toronto Blue Jays. I lived there when I was 18. Stuart Pearce told me to do it, and it was a great idea. It was about five, six years ago, and he went, you're always saying on air, you look out for the Chicago Bears, and you look out for Toronto Blue Jays, and you look out for the Belfast Giants, you look out for Ireland Rugby, Northern Ireland for blah, blah, blah. He goes... You need to like anything about who you support and who you like. It's two different things. And he went, I don't think you can support anyone you don't have a connection to. And I thought about it and I thought, you're absolutely right. I need to focus on what I love. So like Toronto Blue Jays, I lived there and discovered it. A family there, my grandfather died a Canadian citizen. And I I love the sport. So Toronto Blue Jays, I feel a connection to there because I have lived there. Liverpool, I had no choice from birth. <laughs> Northern Ireland, Ireland rugby and Belfast Giants ice hockey, drawbridge up, nobody else. Nobody else? Really? Yeah, so, so no one thing. else will come on the scene at all? No, no I, not unless I live somewhere. And like if, I, if I moved to Warrington, do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden get into rugby league and yeah. I've lived there five years, then I might be a fan of the wire, but I try not to... What about if you had a girlfriend who supported someone else? Who do you support, you? Michelle? Well, I support... <laughs> I see where that went. <laughs> I walked around to that one. But <laughs> interestingly... Actually, who does Michelle... Because there's a, a misconception about who you supported. There's a massive misconception who I support. Wait, I and was really confused. Plymouth, Argyle? No, your, see, no. And my husband supports Plymouth Argyle. Yeah. But I... Ooh, that was like taking a bullet, right? Yeah. I support... <laughs> yeah, my, my husband... I know, um... But I support Villa because growing up on the Shropshire Welsh border, they're sort of it was them Wolves, West Brom, wow. or Birmingham City. So I, yeah. I've supported Villa since I was three. But a lot of people think I support Bristol City because I cover them so much. But yeah. it's just that we live down the road. Yeah. This is really exciting for me because I'm a big sports fan. I listen to sports on the radio a, a huge amount. I feel like I'm with a seasoned pro with you, Colin, and then someone who is one of my best friends in radio. We've gone through that already. But someone who's gonna you know take the sports broadcasting radio world by storm very soon there must be mutterings about Michelle no. well a lot in the football five office and that's where <laughs> to explain the are you uh, you know who's your football team gag is that there there are quite a lot of Michelle crushes <laughs> in the office um, so I was so telling you about it so everyone sort of uh um, you're like our favourite you know, your reports are always brilliant and then we love you and then you put a wee Santa thing as well on your jumper at Christmas we thought that would be amazing absolutely uh, 10 but, quid um, later yeah we always when you come on we all go hi Michelle to the, which is really childish uh, but, like, I'll uh, give you a little yeah. wink next time but, I guess know, oh my god would you slip no, a word in it can't be everyone. too hard no I'm not going to send you like super supercalifragilisticexpialidosis <laughs> just like awesome or something like yeah, that yeah 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 okay or like a secret sign just for, oh, yeah. just for yeah, Colin it's, and his well, friends. It's only head and shoulders. So if I start doing high fives on camera, it's no, going to no, look no. a little you bit weird. No, 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 you just need to throw yeah. the C out. Just be like, hey, and then a wink. What about the, the, uh, the Gareth oh, yeah. Bale heart <laughs> at the end? 
Thanks, Jeff. Up goes the yeah. heart. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you are Jeff's favourite, though. You can just yeah. tell. Absolutely not. But oh, come off it. He doesn't have a favourite child. That's what it's like, isn't it? You have to be like that. You have to say they're all your children. Yeah. That's <laughs> the professional side of it. It but seems a bit of a weird metaphor, but let, yeah. Let me, let me, yeah. <laughs> let me, let me clarify that uh, because of her background in sport and her knowledge of it, it comes across brilliantly. So respect first, but there's nothing wrong with a bunch of boys having silly crushes. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I was going to say that you look amazing. She's exceptional as well. With her. Yeah, but you don't oh, need to. On. That's the point. I think that sports broadcasting in terms of like there's so many more females working in sports broadcasting, but also like looking to the future. I think it's, you know, I do think there's still an aesthetic connected to it, which there doesn't need agree to be. You can't answer that much. No. All right, look, both yeah. of you, you both started off in radio, both mm. in music radio. Colin, you were radio one, Michelle, yeah. Nation, as, as we spoke about before, Capital as well. But then you made the switch to sport. Mm. Now, yeah. significantly, when we were working last year together yeah. with UEFA at the Champions League final, that's when you realised that maybe, look, you loved Capital and you loved working on radio as, as a music DJ, but that for you that week was just poignant and you oh, just yeah. thought that is it yeah definitely because in a second I'll ask you what made you change but you Colin not you Paul um, <laughs> but yeah so I started off doing like little football reports oh, five six years ago for Nation when they had this show called Football Nation mm. but I never got the opportunity to host it for whatever reason so I used to go to Swansea games and Cardiff games. I really enjoyed doing that. And then when I came across the capital, we didn't do so much sport. We did a little bit, well, you do a little bit of rugby still yeah. and rugby OBs and things like that. Um, but my main sport is sort of football. And I was doing Soccer Saturday alongside it and things were really starting to overlap. And fair play to capital. Like they gave me sort of days in the week every now and then for a soccer special or whatever on a Tuesday evening. Like, can you cover and Michelle then, on a Tuesday night? Yeah, yeah. No yeah, way. thanks, Paul. <laughs> thanks, Paul. Yeah. And then but we got to the summer and we had this amazing Champions League opportunity. So I flew out... In April, we went to get the trophy, which was amazing, on a plane with like Ian Rush and members of the FAW. And then in June, myself, Paul and the team, we spent um, sort of a week just working mm. on the Champions League. We had the broadcast sort of radio yeah. access, backstage, everything, got to go to the final. And at the end of the week, I sort of sat down and thought, I know now that my time at Capital will never get any better, not in a bad way, but mm. for me, that was the peak of being there. Mm -hmm. And doing that every day, and then as the season started again especially, I'd sort of already made my mind up by then, but things were overlapping so much. I wanted to be, if I'm honest, I wanted to be at a football match on a Tuesday night, but I was doing drive on Capital, and I thought, I can't keep doing this. And sort of since April last year, I'd started sussing out if I could make a go of it, going sort of freelance with Sky. Yeah working for the Premier League, I do some podcasts, I do some writing, and it's only been sort of five, five six months, but... Because well, I've, I've, so yeah, I've been with Sky, sort of, this is my... I've been with Sky about four years yeah. now, so I've been doing Soccer, soccer yeah. Saturday for four years, yeah. but... Which people see and go, yay, and then you're like, no, no. It's like when I did Top of the Pops, my mum was like, you've made it, I was like, mum, it's 250 quid. <laughs> so there's some things you do that everybody sees yeah, in the exactly. world of football, and you're dumb. Happy yeah. days, that, and you're like, no, I need Absolutely. four more days work this week. Uh, completely, it's so yeah, you, funny you get that. it completely. Yeah. But what sort of <laughs> like? So you, I remember <laughs> this make you feel old now, but I remember like um, as a teenager listening to you and Edith. Yeah, where was your like Michelle moment? Well, I switch? don't. I don't have a yes. I don't have a. I'm. I'm not a. I loved music. I was brought up with music, but like we didn't watch a huge amount of TV. Uh, funny enough, I still have the same setup as we had at home, which is a pile of records and a nice. record player. And I used to get, you know, sticky fingers all over them, my mum's records and, and my stepdad's. So, you know, it, we had such a broad range of music. So that was always my thing. I was like so passionate about that and then playing, you know, kicking a ball about, you know, from the minute you could to the minute it was too dark and, you know, having to come back in. 
So they, they were two passions I had. So I, I did music and I, I wrote about music, no interest in radio. And there was a regional show called The Session in Northern Ireland, which was an opt-out from the evening session with Steve Mac. And I didn't even go for the audition. I'm the Phil Neville of uh, Radio <laughs> One. And, uh, I don't I, know. Uh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> right? And they asked me, and I said, I'm not really interested in radio and didn't do it. And then they auditioned loads of people as a boy and a girl. And they could only find a girl and couldn't find a boy. And second time around, I went, OK, I'll, I'll go to pacify you. And I'd done like two days solid up with my mate watching the World Cup when England got beat by Ronaldinho, Lord Seaman, do you remember? Oh, 2002. Um, yeah. yeah. So when uh, I went down like after being up for like two days with my mate and, and then got it, fell into radio that way. But I was more, Amazing. I was much more about music journalism. Yeah. And then went to Radio 1, loved, got, Zane Lowe got the evening session job. I came second. And they asked me to do six months until he was ready. And that's how I ended up in London. And then they said that went well. So they put me on with Edith. Oh, wow. Yeah, Completely wow. cold. We didn't know each other really. Really? So, like, when they put us together, we just were so lucky. Because we're, like, to this day, we still are, like... Look we don't buddies. see each other. Like, we're absent friends at times, but we've always been close. Like One of you know, those friends I, if, you always see, it's always the like, same. If I was yeah, homeless, yeah. I could, I'd knock her door at any time, at any time of night, and she could do the same to me. So we have that. And then we did the afternoons, did the... Did the afternoons did really well, and we ended up being it, but it just no, it it did was. well, and it did really well ratings wise. But yeah. I, again, that's my thing in my head it's like, what's next? So I, I always wanted to go back to evening music, and when right. I got offered John Slot, that was like too good to turn oh, down. Yeah. So I did that, and then again, I always said I was going to leave Radio 1 when it was 30 31. I didn't want to be the guy who then went to Radio 2 and played the same tunes I'd been playing sure. from the age of 20 to 28. Because that's what it would be. Like, they play the music for yeah. my audience. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do the same career again. So I switched to sport, and everyone was like, you're mad. Mm. And I'd done, I was doing Fight and Talk already for Five Live. So they tried me. Friday night was the lowest rated Five Live sport. Um, so I got that. And then eventually they put me in the Sunday's Five Live sport as well. And that is kind of my way in. And then it was a battle to try and get live sport over more traditional presenters, I would say, maybe. With they spoke a little bit more of the Queen's English. So it was always like battering down doors. And I remember doing Six Nations stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember doing a Friday night game um, at what we then called the Millennium Stadium. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember they played it back to me and they said, the words that you said were really good. You wrote it brilliantly. You, you, you had lived brilliant. It was great. But the teams come out at 8 o'clock and at 25 past 7, you were already at 10 out of 10. <laughs> you listen back to that literally. It's not in people in the ground and I'm like... Ah! So overexcited. So you're always learning. Yeah. So, yeah, so for me, it's always like, what's the next challenge? And funny enough, I've, I've just had a show commissioned for like a four-part run on Radio 2. But it's a, a different type of show and it's something I think's a challenge. And then they will audience test it and see whether mm -hmm. they want to do a series or not. I think there's something inbuilt in me to like a poison chalice. I think there's all, like when I went to talk sport, it was the same. People were like, you don't suit that station. And I went there and I went, no, I, I think that a sports listener when it comes to sport, is, is in very intelligent. And I think you can do a different type of show for them. Mm -hmm. So I always sort of seem to take the, whatever the next thing is, people go, you're not going to be able to do that. And you I go, see, okay, I'll yeah. have a go at that then. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling Michelle about this yesterday, actually. I was talking to um, a girl who I met at Cardiff University and she was telling me how she, how she feels a little bit intimidated. She's doing sports journalism mm -hmm. and she wants to be a sports broadcaster. And she mentioned Michelle. She was like, oh, mm. you know Michelle, you know, she's on Soccer Saturday. She's like, I'd, I'd love to do what Michelle is doing, but I feel really intimidated at the fact that, you know, a lot of, you know, broadcast companies now will hire ex-athletes to, yeah. do, to do the presenting, to do, the, you know, the punditry, whatever. 
And I thought, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine it being very mm. intimidating if you go up against someone who's actually been there and, mm. you know, had the experience in the field. But there is a difference between a pundit and a reporter and presenter. And a lot of people, you get tweets saying, oh, and this is really nice, and I hope this doesn't come across wrong or sound big headed, but people are like, oh, why aren't you on the Soccer, Soccer Saturday panel? Or when are you going to be in the studio? Well, I would never be in the Soccer Saturday studio unless I was presenting. Yeah. Because the four guys on the panel are all ex-pros. Hopefully, it would be great one day to see, you know, an Alex Scott on their ex-England or whatever. I've seen she started doing stuff, or Rachel Brown. They've started doing punditry. It would love, I'd mm. love to see women getting into it, and I think that will happen. However, your friend that you just mentioned yeah. there would never do that, because that, that's... Mm. I don't, sometimes people get a bit mixed up without trying to sound stupid. But no, then, I think you're right. But when, yeah, when you're a reporter-presenter like me or Colin, we've never played... Yeah. Well, as far as I know, Colin, you're not an elite athlete, but... <laughs> well, obviously you've never seen the 1995 Kabaddi World Championships uh, yeah. in which I starred, but apart from that, you're right. I, I think that there's, listen, there's good pundits and bad pundits and there's good presenters and bad presenters, depending on your taste. But journalism is that, asking, like... Here's two things which you'll spot all the time, and when I say it, it doesn't matter whether it's asked by an ex-sports person or it's asked by uh, someone who would be a qualified broadcast journalist. And every time I say it, I just cringe, which is... And everything, like, probably Federer, as we sit here today, he's probably won the Australian Open. He was, like, a couple of games away from it when you arrived. Yeah, no, he's won. Yeah, he's won it. Guaranteed someone's going to walk out in court and say, Australian Open champion, how does that sound? Or they're going to say, how do you feel? The two worst questions. And, like, you've just made the guy think about how he feels. Don't ask him that. That's, that's the worst thing you can do. And, and then, like, what do you think he's going to say? What do you think he's going well, to say? Gonna, yeah. well, why do you, it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. Do you know what I mean? 19, you know, 2008 Snooker World Champion. How does that sound? Terrible. It sounds terrible. It's a, it's a pointless question, and journalism is about I'm asking now, the I'm right... I'm now worried that I've like, asked yeah, that question. No. Oh, my God, I've asked that question. But, like, journalism is exactly that. It's, it's taking something and researching it and trying to yeah. work out... It changes... It doesn't change whether it's music or sport. It changes based on what you're particularly trying to get out of something. Are you yeah. doing a laid-back series where you're trying to find out about someone's character? Are you covering the key events and this is a big headline interview that you're doing or whatever? But it's journalism. It doesn't matter whether you're working as an education correspondent for The Times or you're, you're, you're presenting a show on, on Five Live. You've got a, a good journalist will take its subject. It will work, you will work out the angle and you will research it and you will produce something that informs... And if needed, entertains. So what? So just, I don't think that changes yeah. across all of these podcasts that you're doing. You know, sport doesn't make us special. It just gets us free tickets. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, but going, going back to your friend there as well, yeah. and talking about you know famous people that do go on to become reporters and mm -hmm. presenters. A lot of it is, a lot of it is who you know and not what you know. Yeah. But me and Colin are like from completely That's normal I mean. backgrounds, so it's all like you know. From the age of 16, I did work experience through to when I was 21, and I just kept all those contacts. I did work experience at Sky when I was 20, and then a few years later, was lucky enough to get onto Soccer Saturday, but it's maintaining those relationships. But I just think, you know, if anyone's listening that would want, want to go into it, and I, I almost don't feel qualified to say this, because I still don't feel like I've made it or anything like that. And you I never still will, very, by the way. Yeah. Because <laughs> you come from a working-class background, you'll always be running yeah. from McDonald's. I haven't stopped. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't stopped. Like, I still think exactly. it's all going to go wrong tomorrow. I feel like I'm a week away from it, a week away from what Colin just said. Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's just the way, I don't know, some people yeah. are wired, I suppose. But 
it's just always been willing to make, I'm sure Connor will say the same, just without sounding too self-important, just you have to make so many sacrifices yeah. along the way. If, if you want to do it. So what you're saying if you really is want if you've got good knowledge and you're willing to work hard, like you can for, be up Yeah, there. for example, like, I mean, I know Colin's a really busy schedule as well, but I mean... I did the, the Newport County Tottenham game last night. We came down to London, went to bed at half 11 midnight, got up at 4am, went into mm. sunrise. Mm. If that's a problem for you, you can't do it. I would agree yeah. with that 100%. Well, you can. You can play it doing it. Like someone would play it being a stand-up comedian. Like somebody would play at being a poet. Like someone would play at being a writer. Like I would say I have less talent than a sizable amount of presenters. But I would say I work harder than 95% of Your work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's key. And I think without making a sweeping... Do you feel you have to work harder, though? Because you don't have the experience yeah, in the field? Listen, uh, Stuart Pearce was saying to me, we were talking about it in an interview the other day for my at-home series for BBC Radio 5 Live, which you can download plug, now from plug. iTunes and all the usual places. <laughs> As a wee trick for any aspiring journalist out there. Always get the plug in when you can. Um, um, we were talking about it. And he, he, when he played for Nottingham Forest, he advertised in the programme as an electrician, because he thought this could go wrong at any stage. He was playing for Brian Clough in the top division. He still advertised as an electrician, still worked because That's he needed amazing. to fall back. And we talked about it, it's the fear. It's the fear of, I don't have anything to fall back on. Mm. I don't have a university totally degree. I don't have A-levels. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm in trouble here, right? <laughs> yeah. If it goes wrong, and I'm kind of getting there now. I, I think there's also a myth that Everybody gets paid, but Gary Lineker gets paid. Oh, and, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And I'll talk about it openly, like, because when, when I was doing Match of the Day 2, a lot of people were like, well, you're going to, like, well, you, you, like, why are you driving that car? Or, like, I remember I bought, right? I bought, a, like, a second-hand Porsche Boxster for £17,000, and it's the most I've paid for anything outside of a house. And pe I was like, and they were like, why don't you get a new one? And I'm like... I'm not, I'm, I don't have seven million pounds in the bank for working three years in match today. Like, yeah, 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 it's different. It depends how you come into it. I was never a celebrity. I was never a famous footballer. Was and I'm not saying you pay for what you get. I suppose, but I get my listeners through working yeah. hard, making them trust me, being myself, and 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 being a journalist. I think. So for those people that want to try and get into it, if you, you got you're buying right, work harder than the person next to you, treat people really well, don't take coke. Really, no, seriously though. Like really yeah. basic things. Don't get caught up in yourself. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. You know, demand the work, the same work ethic from the people around you. Mm. Form a good team. You know, and and these are all the things that doesn't guarantee failure, but guarantee success. But I always think that Ian Rush thing. He, people are like, how are you always in the right place at the right time to score those goals and tap in from six yards? And he says, because you didn't see the 99 times I made that run and the ball wasn't passed to me. And that's 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 advice I would give to, to your friend. Is yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's not going to... And print journalism is a great way to just learn about how to research and how to dissect somebody's character, which a lot of sport is about. Not, not in terms of broadcasting at a match, but in terms of like what a lot of radio is, which is personality and character. Mm. If you go to a local magazine and say, look, I know you don't have much budget, but if I will go to this gig, I'm going anywhere, I bought a ticket, I'll review it. My one thing is this, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Let me write it up and you tell me what's bad about it because you've been a journalist for 20 years. And I did that loads. I did that loads going to local magazines and saying, right, I'm going to see Primal Scream tonight at the limelight. If I write you a 300-word review, would you tell me what I'm doing wrong? 
and just trying to learn about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're both the same, aren't we, Michelle? We love constructive criticism. We love yeah. having feedback. Yeah. And I can imagine, like, do these these exporting pros, would they take that <laughs> as well as that? As I well don't as know. Depends who they are. I d- yeah, it absolutely <laughs> depends who they are. But it's funny, because I got in the car on the way here, and you're like, oh, how was your shift? Because I was yeah. doing the sport this morning yeah. on Sunrise. And I was like, yeah, it's okay, but um, there's a brilliant guy at Sky called Nick Powell, who's the sports editor for Sky News. Yeah. And he gives the best feedback, like... Mm. It's not sometimes nice to hear because this morning he's like, right, you could have done this slightly differently and this slightly differently. Though, right? And you make and you make your text you're yeah. like, oh, you're amazing. I'm like, no, I'm not definitely, definitely not because Nick's just told me this. And I know I can breathe on this. <laughs> yeah. I know. And like even on Soccer Saturday, like I still do it. Like most of the time, I watch my reports back and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Why do that? And I don't think I don't know thick skin. So I don't know what word I use, oh, no. but you have to be Elephant. able to take the criticism. Elephant thick skin. Yeah. yeah. Because, especially now in social media world... Oh, God, that's don't, the worst. Don't get into this business to replace... And this is maybe a bit too serious for, the, for this, but do not get into any business in the public eye to replace security and love that you've maybe lost somewhere else. You know, a lot of presenters come from broken homes. A lot of presenters come from broken homes. And it's like that kind of thing of... Certainly in my generation, they did... You won't find happiness by people liking what you're doing radio and TV, and you will never please everybody. And if you can accept those two things, then then you'll then that's the thick enough skin that you want. Yeah, don't look for gratification on social media no, because you'll never football. get it. All right, let me ask you this then, because there are a lot of them out there, ex-athletes, sporting professionals who are just brilliant at their job on the radio, talking about sport. Who are they? Um, I find Darren Campbell on Five Live when he talks about athletics just cuts through and gets to what it actually means to be on the last leg of a 100 metre race or what mm. it, of a 4x100 of a or what it means to lose in a big occasion. He gives me insight that I could never provide because I haven't been there. There's a whole load that I think are really good at it. That Very good. Very Jonathan good answer. Edwards is a really good broadcaster. And he's a guy that, of course, in, in 1995 in Gothenburg, jumped the furthest triple jump that anyone's ever jumped to this yeah. date. And he's somebody who I've worked with, and I find him articulate, and I find him journalistic. Um, I think, say, Gary Lineker, for example, if I'm being honest, like the Gary Lineker maybe who started in TV, probably was there he got he was the england sort of hero and there was probably a lot of journalists about and he probably he was trained on the job i think that's well known he's talked mm. about that but i think the gary lineker that moved to bt sport and then all of a sudden was doing live sport all the time and handling a different setup in the mm-hmm. commercial world and it wasn't so prescriptive i think he's come on leaps and bounds mm. yeah i think he's went from like the first couple of weeks you're going this is you're in at the deep end Gary you know mm. people see it as this huge thing but present as a journalist I was thinking you're really in at the deep end if I watch him do it now I think he's absolutely great at it mm. there's now a number of ex-athletes that go and do degrees in sports journalism mm. um, but ex, ex-athletes that go Helen Ward played for Wales oh yeah for real she has two kids she still plays for Wales and she's doing a degree in sports journalism. Mike Flynn, Newport County manager, yeah. obviously in the press a lot because of what happened last night at Rodney Prey's yeah. drawing with Tottenham, has a degree in sports journalism. People that go out and go the extra mile, like ex-athletes that do that, I respect even more. Yeah. But I do think Gary Lineker, what Connor said there is spot on because since he started doing like live games on BT, not just sat in Match of the Day where you can rehearse and things like that, yeah, I think he's done really, really well because um, Kelly Cates... She's not an ex-athlete, but she's like one of my favourite presenters. She spends on Sky Sports. She makes it look seamless as well. What you don't realise is there's 
five people in their ear, like producer, director, yeah. vision mixers, whatever, talking while they're talking and they don't have an auto cue. Mm. That is so difficult, <laughs> so difficult. I think the best TV is when you've got a mix of somebody who looks at it from a journalist's point of view and people who've been there and done it. Yeah. Sometimes what comes across as good journalism to me, I would say is bad journalism, which is people talking above the level, above... I think as a, as a journalist, you're kind of like... you. I always think I'm the conduit between the people who've done it and the people who haven't. I, I'm representing 99.999% mm -hmm. of people who are listening who don't know what it's like. I'm not trying to impress the ex-footballers by knowing exactly how Manchester City have set up tonight. I do, because I've researched it. But you you know you tell me that I'm here to say yeah. you've played yeah. on a Wednesday night. Uh, you played on a Wednesday night at Old Trafford in the FA Cup because I researched it and found that out. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like to walk out of that tunnel against a, a, a team managed by this this man. You know what it's like to have a team talk from this man. What is he saying? That's my job. Yeah. Be the conduit. Be the like last night, even on the on the football and five show, there was like a minute slot to talk off the back of the game. I can I can ask Clinton Morrison to criticise a left back who only cost twenty six grand, or I can say to him, "What's it like to score a last minute winner as a player?" I think that's a better question journalistically. I think that's the better question. And also he and can he, answer yeah. it better, obviously. Yeah, and so, he went, oh, yes. man, there's no better feeling in the world. And then he tells a story about scoring a last-minute winner at Anfield, right? And, I, and I'm <laughs> like... Fuming. No, but I'm like, that was two all, mate. It wasn't a winner, so shut up. We have <laughs> a laugh. Stuff. You know, stuff. so you got to... So it's, that's, again... So my point, my that, point that, is, yeah, it's yeah. different across. But that knowledge, like, you know, on live TV to be able to come back and you're actually Clinton. That was an equaliser. <laughs> because, yeah. because you have... You play it down, but you have so much knowledge. And I'm someone that is still learning and still... My knowledge of football in the last 10 years is fine, but yeah. 20 years, no, it's not. You know, so I'm mm. still learning. I'm still learning about other sports. And when I do like the sport yeah. on Sunrise, I need to know about the horse racing. I need to know about the golf. And, like, Colin yeah. here, obviously, is, is the real deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's instilled no in you. I've never said that before. <laughs> if I was a boxer... Yeah. I call myself just the real me, deal. Just give me 20 quid later. It's Colin, like real deal, Murray. Yeah. Colin, what is the <laughs> proudest piece of sports content that you've brought to the uh, radio? Do you know what? I always think go over the first thing that popped into your head because that's yeah. probably the right answer. So, like, there's definitely some fighting talk stuff, but the first thing that popped, that popped yeah. into my head, and by the way, the Olympics, which I covered with Peter Allen for Five Live, and I, I, we were really proud of that. And it was like putting an odd couple together. Yeah. And I was really proud of that. So, like, say, for example, when Bradley Wiggins won the road race and we're mm -hmm. live on air, I'm like, I'm I'm going with the crowd who aren't allowed to climb over the barrier, but we're helping grannies over the barrier. And we <laughs> did all that live on air. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm going. I'm going. I'm not missing this. And we all walked up the road and police officers were helping people over the barrier. And to capture that in radio, I, I think, is I just think the imagination, if you get radio right, and you know when you've got it right, but it's, it's cliche, but you're painting a picture, and when you paint it, and like you, you come off air and you go, that was a proper technicolor picture, we got it right. So all of those are good, but I think it would be, when I was on Talk Sport and we went to the Euros, my position for the Northern Ireland games for the group stages was behind the goal on a plastic seat. So if you watch Gareth McCauley's goal, I'm on the post. I'm the closest... <laughs> To the so net. you went in the press box? Yeah, no. I didn't want to you be... Yeah, no, when I was working out what I was going to do, I'll do a daily show, but I, 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 I go to the Northern Ireland Games as a yep. punter and I okay. don't want to lose that. So they come up with this idea. Well, okay. what if we have a presenting team, but you come on air and do bits from behind the goal? So I remember in the Germany game, they came to me and I was losing... The, the, the line was so blurred between being a fan and being on air. I think I said something like, like Michael McGovern had made like... 
40 saves in the first 20 minutes. We were getting absolutely pounded. And they threw down to me and said, what's it like from your position? I said, it's like watching your parents have sex. <laughs> and that, it didn't go down very well. But anyway, so I was losing it. But when, when, when we beat Ukraine... I was just like, I was just trying not to cry when they came down to me. I was just trying not to cry. And I was, I think I kind of, that's probably my proudest moment of just like being a fan, but also mm, yeah. I was describing, say, for example, the hailstorm that abandoned the game and so they, they paused the game and they went off and came back on and when Macaulay scored and I described it and the fans and the, what it was like at the full-time whistle. But I also was, that's where I always want to be. I never want to lose sight of what people pay to watch sport and how far they travel to watch sport and what it means to a community, not a league table, not coefficiency, none of this bollocks that we hear about all the time, not he felt contact, he anticipated contact. I was trying to remember what sports meant to be. Mm. So that day was probably like, that was, that was the one thing that, that pops into my mind, I think. And you yeah. probably don't get that as being a sports journalist now or a sports host, you probably don't get to feel that love as a sports punter, as a sports fan, as much as you did then? you got to turn down work sometimes. So, like, I didn't work Wales, Northern Ireland, because I just needed to be with my mates. Sometimes mm. you just got to say, I'm not interested in working that day. A uh, great, great thing that always stuck with me is a, is Ronnie Barker. You know Ronnie Barker, mm. the two yes. Ronnies? Yeah, yeah. He, someone once said to him, um, what's it like being you? Because you have these glasses and the, the shock of of grey hair you're one of the most recognisable people in, in, in Britain what's it like to be so famous and he went I'm not famous and he goes you're one of the most famous people he's like no no I'm no one I'm not famous famous people are people who decide themselves that they're no longer going to get the bus he's like I get the bus every day people <laughs> eventually get sick of seeing me it's the same you know and I've always you know so I I've, I don't go behind velvet ropes because I think that's a myth. I think you put yourself in that position of, I am somebody I'm, I'm not. I'm not even Z-list. I go about my day, knock about my tracky bottoms and all that, and always make sure I still go as a fan to watch sport. Yeah, you yeah don't it's important. Have, you have to. You have to know what it means. And that's why I never speak on behalf of a group of fans when you're, whether you're doing updates in Soccer Saturday, presenting the football highlights in Channel 5, doing a five live show, doing a capital show, don't speak on behalf of people who pay money to go and see that team when you don't go and the only time you're there is to say because we're working or whatever mm -hmm. you don't live in that time you've got to be so careful yeah, with that yeah. Talk, it's, so I think you've got to always keep connected to what it means to be a fan of sport I think mm -hmm. Is sports commentary on the radio better than TV or is, is radio used as just an alternative? That because the reason why I ask this, right, so I don't listen to a lot of sports commentary on the radio, but yesterday when we were travelling down, I was picking Michelle up from Newport after after you were on um, Sky, and I... She used to pick Shubba a lot, I've noticed. I do, yeah, I'm like a chauffeur. Two three times. I know. Can you not afford your own car or something, no, Michelle? She okay. Some I know. And I yeah, I know. Hey, do you know what happened today? There's definitely a hidden, like, yeah. a, a theme she, here. Um, she took my car to Sky today and she curbed it. So, I we um, did talk not. I'm yes. joking, I curbed her alloy. Yeah. No. Oh, he looks disgusting. <laughs> well, I hope you're going to fix it. I hope she is as well. I've offered to. No, but when I picked her up yesterday, I was listening to the end bit of the Newport Spurs game. And who's the... Mike Flynn, isn't it? So he literally... Yeah, the, the Newport manager. So he literally... It was the final whistle and he came off and uh, it was on BBC Wales and the presenter there must have just grabbed him for a minute and it was just, you know, such a raw piece of audio yeah. and he just spoke from the heart and I just think if he was pulled in yeah. 10 minutes later into a TV studio... Yes, 
And I just think he would have been, yeah, oh, so we, then he went to you. So then obviously he yeah. would have been so Fine much more right. aware of the yeah. cameras and you, stuff. You, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there, and I know that Conor will say the same. He's mm. vastly more experienced than I am. I'd be interested to hear what Mike Flynn said to you then, maybe 10 minutes after what he came off the pitch, because he, he was like, I'm gutted. I'm really, really gutted yeah. about so, it. Yeah, and was, I bet you he came and said to you, oh, I'm ecstatic. We've got like the replay in Wembley. Yeah, so I I, I said to him, That's I said... That's so true, I, yeah. say that. He yeah, said yeah, he's ecstatic, did he? didn't he? So I said to you, no, not you, I said to Mike Flynn, I said, I, I've seen you at 86 minutes pushing your hands to the ground, telling your players to calm down. Mm. I said, but did you not want to win at that stage? Or did you know for the club that it was better to mm. get the replay at Wembley? He said, oh, well, I'm delighted Like we're going to Wembley. Like, I am yeah. a little bit gutted. And that's the difference. Like, he comes... Off, straight, off, straight away yeah. that's the raw emotion yeah. Yeah. he said five minutes to compose himself walk across the pitch the camera switch on he's in the press conference yeah that that's a huge radio gets what TV doesn't at yeah. the end of the day doesn't yeah. it Sometimes, yeah. radio is m can be magical like magical a covering sport in a way you get closer to it yeah and you you're right you're not in you are you like you are the heartbeat of it you're not just trying to find a pulse you can become the heartbeat of it and it's so much easier with a mic to go Clean. Chris Hoy's uncle you know, like whatever it is, just grabbing that person and get, getting that feeling. Mm. Commentary in the radio is a really interesting thing. I hate over-opinionated commentators. I hate it. Like, describe what's happening. But maybe I'm just old school. I just want my commentator to tell me where the ball is in the pitch and that's it. And be positive. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing it, like on radio and TV. I think, is this commentary or am I listening to a debate show? Mm. There's like three people in there and the football match is going on and they're telling me how bad something... I don't, I don't want to know that. Like John Hunt, who's the uh, horse racing commentator for Five Live. Like, I would feel like I'd missed out in the Grand National if I didn't listen to him doing commentary on yeah. it. Like, he's that good. He is just magic. So I think there's just like... There's an amazing things about it, but I don't think people will automatically switch a radio people on. Wouldn't, no. Let's be honest. People, like Colin said, wouldn't probably... Uh, choose TV over radio, but uh, there is, you know, if you're driving and it's the World Cup semi final and you're driving to the Bang. airport or whatever, yeah. love it. that is like, I remember listening to Swansea City in the playoff final uh, in my final year of university because we were up visiting like relatives up north and I couldn't watch it. Mm. And there, I had to have, like, that's when you need the radio, and yeah. that is why yeah. sport and radio will always be needed. Always. And you, you will have had this to a certain extent, but you're sitting with an old man here, right? <laughs> I've been in radio for 18 years and it has been pronounced dead maybe seven, eight, nine times. Yeah. I'm hearing it all the time. A student watch bean counters and, and pr promotional people and, and, and uh, PR gurus tell me, yeah, man, it can't survive. Yet, on, and again, makes me sound like an arse. On Talk Sport, when I did that show, when I, when I left, we had the all-time highest ratings for that slot. So better than before social media, better than when there was less choice because of understanding your market, being yourself, and realising that radio is this. Unless you are covering a massive event at that one moment, when you're talking to a lot of people, you're only ever broadcasting to one person, and that person mm. is the extra seat at your table, and that's what TV isn't. And that's why I love radio. I will yeah. always like radio over TV. 
Talking of though, you know, like your five live show, fight and talk. Yeah. How does like how does that even work? Is there a couple of days planning? Yeah. Like so, the only person that doesn't get to say anything is me. So what happens is on a Thursday we sort of come up with a list of questions. Then they go out on a Friday to the four panelists who give like one word answers back, and then the pro- two producers check them. And they say, okay, say, Richard Osman, I want you to change questions three and four. Uh, Steve Bons, you got to change five and six so they don't match. Because the show wouldn't work if you said, give me an example of when somebody won something because they had so much drugs in them, they made Jimi Hendrix look like a nun or something like that. <laughs> and then they all give the same answer. That's terrible. That's like six minutes of the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why we do that, to check. Also to check that nothing is over the line that we're going to get taken off air for forever. Mm-hmm. I listened and you were like the most famous, you can answer this, Michelle, the most famous sports person in your opinion with the second name... Smith, was it? Smith was recent, yeah. yeah. yeah Smith <laughs> but, like, it seems so... Like, this is stupid, because I've been doing radio for 10 years now, yeah. obviously, and, and I know it's all smoke and mirrors, but I was thinking, what, is that really... Has he just done that off the cuff? Surely not. And I was no. thinking, no, yeah. So that's how that's set up. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to know any of the answers. Right, okay, And none okay. of the contestants are allowed, none of the answers, and no quality gauge is allowed to be put yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, the key to making fight and talk work is everybody comes in at about 10 o'clock, because I may see everybody every week, but sometimes you'll have two fight and talk people have been on 20 times each, never met each other. Yeah. Mm. So the key is the hour before you go on that they sit in the office and they drink coffee and they okay. chat. Yeah. Um, and that is the key. And it's like they don't realise it, but it's like very, very prescriptive. We put them in certain seats and we make sure, oh, they don't know, make sure that we ah. introduce them and make sure they talk. Because okay. when you come on our fight and talk, you have to put up with someone going, your answer's rubbish. You need the chemistry as well. You right, need to yeah. Mm. Take it personally. And even with fight and talk, where it is now at the moment, it needs to change because it's... I was going to say, what is the future of fight and talk? Well, it, when it started, there was nothing like it. Presenters were, there was a lot more emphasis put on how they spoke on air and, you know, <laughs> the P's and Q's. But now, like, everyone has opinions and everyone's more forthright. And, you know, you just, you're going to get somebody on Monday Night Football going, well, I think he's a disgrace, what he said. And, you know, he, he's, he can't say that about Antonio Conte. And, oh, no, I think Joe Mourinho was right. Everyone's very opinionated. And humour, it's there. So it is something we're talking about, like, where do we go with it? Because it is good that we were definitely doing it before most other sports shows were doing it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how well that <laughs> Maybe make it real fight and talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, real fight yeah. and talk. Yeah. Fight and talk comes you always got to look at like your net. You'll you'll never do a perfect show. Then you, you've always got to like be. That's that's why like you got oh, got to be humble in this business in terms of what you do because otherwise you get caught up in all the you know like you're you're speaking to the public and the biggest thing is like you go into like get your petrol in the garage. Most people have a social barrier. You know you have to make first contact with people. The privilege of this job is the guy goes, what about Notts County? Mm. I love that. I don't have to work <laughs> at being social, and that's good for me because I'm not... Do you get recognised a lot? No. no I, see, when you do more TV, you get recognised for things you don't want to. When I did Match of Day 2, that was my least happiest time. Because really? more people mm. would go, oh, you're the... Uh, yeah. What's Gary Lineker like? What's Alan Hansen uh, like? Okay. What's Alan Shearer like? No when I was a talk you. sport, when I, when I do Five Live, when I do my at-home podcast now, people go, are you that guy? Yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, I, always, I always, for some reason, go, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> and then, yeah. right, always. That's such a, right, such a goof, decide. right? <laughs> and then they go, and then they'll go, oh, I heard that interview with Tony Bailey. I thought this bit was brilliant art, blah, blah, blah. I love that, like, engaging about what you actually do, what you actually produce. Yeah, totally. So that's the thing. But you, but you're always looking to get better. I'm always, th- oh, do you listen to yourself back much? Yeah, like I said, like, one on Soccer Saturday, yeah. like, I watch myself yeah. back. I'm like, well, why did you do that? You're I don't idiot. know why you... You don't like listening? Oh, I hate watching myself back. 
but I make myself do it yeah. to make myself get better. And listening back, yeah, because I do some podcasts now and obviously I have to put them together. I'm like, ugh, I hate my voice. Yeah. I don't think you ever, don't think you ever learn to love your voice no. or anything like that. I um, cut my own voice out as much as I can from pre-recorded interviews. Really? Sometimes I even re-record a little bit of, like, asking the question better. If do I you? Do, if, I do, yeah. if I do a goofy laugh. Yeah, voice. if my <laughs> questions, by the oh, way, God. on this podcast sound really good, you know exactly yeah. why, because I've edited I just, them. Yeah, I don't think any presenter loves the sound of their own voice, yeah. and if they do, then that's that's probably the ones to avoid. <laughs> what's your, um, yeah, very mm. true, what's your um, your dream guest? I love your at-home podcasts. I think they're amazing. That's the type of thing. I'd love to do stuff like that. If I do somebody like Dan Hardy, the UFC guy, no one's really outside of... Scroobius Pip did a great interview with him for distraction pieces, but it's not that my audience, a lot of them are not going to know who he is. So when I sit him down, everything's new. Mm. So that's actually quite easy in a way. Like, oh, yeah, you go to the Amazonian rainforest and take hallucinogenics. <laughs> Done. But if that was the story connected to... So I was doing Stuart Pierce the other day. The challenge is, how do I do the missed penalty and the scored penalty? Yes. Without it being what everyone's already I heard. Because everyone's really done yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, watch the footage. People have forgotten to watch. They read and they... Just watch the clips. Like, go back and watch it and make your own mind up. Look for little things. Gaza really interests me because he was an idol of mine. When okay. I watched him play football, particularly at Italia 90... I worshipped them. I was like this as, as a, and most of my heroes are from Northern Ireland or from Liverpool. So to like, to look at a guy who played for England and go, I, I think he's this guy's unbelievable. I can connect with him. He's funny, but there was a period when I just thought he was just the best footballer I'd ever seen, and he's been through so many horrible things. But I have a bit of an understanding of alcoholism through my family, so I would love to do that interview where I could not reinvent him, but just do the honest him down. It wasn't just daft as a brush. You know, I would love to do that, and I'm trying to get him for at home. And I just... The first series was, like, calling favours, you know, Jamie Carragher. Hey, Jamie, will you do it? Hi, Gary, will you do it? This series, I've had to go through agents, and just everyone's knocking me back. Is that because it's better no than that? I think people want money, and I'm not going to pay. Like, I, I, I don't <laughs> I hardly make any... I, yeah, you know, it's four four or five days an episode to get that R out. I'm struggling as it is with the time. And mm. I love doing the series, but it's me and that microphone. Yeah. This series, that literally that little microphone up there. Me, my mate Phil's helped me edit it and I'm throwing him a few quid. But like, I don't, I can't pay someone five grand to do an interview, yeah. I, I, you know, and going through press officers. This day and age doesn't lend itself to, oh, could your Premier League manager give me two hours of their day? No, they don't give more than two minutes. You know, at the end of games, very difficult very difficult to get someone and the thing with that home is it's the only thing I've ever done where I say to the, the, the guest I will send it to you and you can listen to it before it goes out mm-hmm. and if you want anything taken out you can take it out in the whole of the first series one thing was taken out no way you know that? and I, uh, that was <laughs> I'll tell you actually <laughs> it's it quite funny it was nothing to do with the, the anything that the player said it was one of the one of the footballer's wives didn't like a conversation we had because it was a little bit too like she was like I, I like to stare at the public eye and I'd rather it just wasn't mentioned. So I took that out. Oh, so and that, and that was it. It wasn't even anything controversial. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's probably a long list, isn't there, people? You'd, but it's all about like can you can you get to the end of it, mm-hmm. whether you're writing it or whether you're doing it for radio or TV, and at the end mm-hmm. can people go, Yeah, I know what they're like. Yeah. I now know what they're really like. Yeah. 
And that's the kind of the key. I love it. I hope you get the people that you want to. Uh, One day. I know. We keep talking to James and she came around, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that took, this took years of negotiation. I'm you not even going to tell you what the fee is. home with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that is really apparent is that you both are super, super, and I don't want to use the word obsessed, but no, so passionate. Right I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with. with Michelle. With, with, with Michelle. Okay. And, Can we stop this, please? Um, <laughs> And I hope you enjoy the next 10 years as my <laughs> secret. No. Um, not so secret. Um, not so secret. No, no. I am obsessed with the... I think I'm obsessed with the connection with an audience. I mm -hmm. think that's a drug. I remember when I left Talk Sport, feeling quite down in general life, mm -hmm. for having a gap of not having that ability to go on air and just talk to people and connect to people. I'm addicted to the journalism of it and the broadcast of it. I don't think I'm addicted to sport or music. I just love them, but I think it's the it's the profession is like yeah, it it, it is like takes over your life a little bit. You know, I can see why people. I don't you you see you're married to someone in the business, that must help a little bit, because they know that obsession. They may have it from a production point yeah. of view, but I've heard, you know there's a lot of stories of presenters that like we do put our our work maybe ahead of other things we shouldn't. That's why I said earlier have, from yeah. experience, don't. Make it everything. Just try and use it. Try and just keep it in the exactly. box. But, but no, that's, you know? but if you, but it's hard because yeah. it's not a normal thing to do, you know. And it's uh, it's more of a, a bit of a lifestyle, really, isn't it? it yeah, to be yeah. totally honest. Yeah, I think so. If you can surround yourself with people that understand it, it then isn't. It is my priority, but not my priority. Does that make sense? Mm. So because I've got someone that really completely gets it and understands it, I can also say, okay, I need to take a step back from this and whatever, mm. and like put my mm. family first or whatever, because they get it. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if that yeah. does, but you know what I mean. But you're even talking now about how obsessed you are with being obsessed. Yeah. So you are very obsessed. This could be about 20 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, Remember, if don't take coke, kids. Just want to add that in. That's, uh, that could go in. That. That, that and could I just think it's worth re-emphasising, Michelle. <laughs> I could go in the tease a bit, maybe. Don't take it. I'm going to leave you guys to it because I feel you need a moment together. So, um, oh, please. What? Not like a huddle. Yeah, I mean, cut it out if you want to. But yeah, why don't you do your next at I don't know home. what that means. Is that a young person's phrase? No, that's cutch. Is it? No, it's worse for cuddle. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't know that? No, I've never heard it in my talking, life. Actually, talking of Welsh, we've got some in. Column, which yeah, we so forgot, it's in go, the car. Let's go and get you a gift from the car. Do you want to say what? It, well, listen, I've got to go and do six or six. He's had enough, actually. So, yeah. so what we could do oh, we'll is we okay. could let's walk out and we'll give it to you. We can record the bit of me arriving that you're going to pretend happened. <laughs> right? Don't say that. Well, it's true. Let's okay, just leave this okay. bit in. <laughs> let's because you didn't record that bit. So, we're going to pretend. So, that's going to be really fake, right? You'll hear that. And then we can finish for real and do the last bit, which would be now. Yeah. And that's at the be, car. Yeah, so it's going right? to be the real... We have to take all these wines No, we'll out just do, we'll do that bit on the phone. You yeah. could do it on the phone. Meters you of totally cable. do it on the phone. We'll do it on the phone. But, but what we mean by that is you can record on your phone and the quality's actually okay, secret, yeah. sometimes. You'll do, I've we pick it. up link on your phone. But I do yeah. really need the loo, so I am hoping we're going to wrap Are you, this up. Hang on, this is too much for what, Colin. In my new bathroom. <laughs> Michelle Owen is about to use your toilet, Colin. Is that all right? Call your friends. Right, we're done. Don't do toilet humour. That's a good place to end. <laughs> this bit is real. I'm at the car. I've got a present. I'm guessing it's Welsh related. Oh, you haven't forgotten it, have you? She's about to get run over a black cab. Michelle had a suitcase in here, so they're squashed a little bit. 
don't oh. really know. I got my suitcase straight in the booth. Is it Welsh cakes? And something else. Ready? Oh, hello. Okay. Oh, I wish you'd take the Welsh cakes and I'm hungry. They're for so me, they're not, not your present. Okay, you didn't invite share, me to your house. You can, you can share these with the people on 606. Yay! And we've also got you. You're smelling mini Welsh rugby. Oh, that's quite cool! Yaki <laughs> Brilliant. I only know that in Clubby, Clubby for Back because I've been there. Back, have you? Yeah, I said oh, that terribly, thing. didn't I? I, said, no, I think I've seen Gorky's Psychotic Monkey in there once. Do you remember them? What's that? Brilliant band, Welsh band called Gorky's Psychotic Monkey. Gorky's Psychotic Monkey? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Patio songs, one of the best songs ever. Thank you so well, much. And I love a little ball in the house you can because pick that. I love just chucking things against walls still. Like when I was a kid, you were yeah. saying you used to do I still do that. Little <laughs> competitions in my brain. I want those. I want that yeah. next to the Russian dolls. Well, I listen. The Northern Irish We will see dolls. how the Six Nations goes. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to put a knife through that in six weeks. Yes, yes. I know. it. <laughs> if you beat us and, and England win the Six Nations because of it, it might go in the bin. Oh, well, well, thank you. That's very sweet. You didn't it's need to do pleasure. that. Thank you very much. I love that. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. Nice to see Episode one, done and dusted. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you so much oh, for doing well, that with me. It's okay. We could have opened the Welsh cakes you just gave him to him a bit sooner. We could have shared those. But uh, the Welsh rugby ball you gave him, he wasn't keen on. He's going to go home what? and punch. He's going to punch it. He's not well, there was one. Him. There's one thing he was keen on, and that was you. Oh please, there can was we not? so much let's tension. Move, right, let's move on from this. Uh, listen, <laughs> I hope that podcast is actually. We, we went into quite a lot of detail, didn't we? So I hope it's useful and gives people a little bit of insight into sports broadcasting. I love sport radio, obviously, because I work in sport broadcasting, mainly telly anyway. But I love listening to it, and that gives you an insight into what goes into yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I feel like I've got a newfound appreciation for sports on the radio. So if you also liked what you've just heard, then make sure you write a little review for us. Make sure mm. you subscribe, download the future podcasts, which are coming out as well. I sound like a right little podcaster now. But um, yeah, we've got loads to look forward to. Talk on the radio with myself and my current co-host on Capital, Matt Lissat. We're going to be talking to the brilliant LBC, Steve Allen. I cannot wait for that one. Showbiz on the radio with my good friend Pat Sharp and the Pop Prince from Heart Wales. Kevin Hughes getting into radio. I've got Scott Mills lined up for that. There's loads about to come out, but look, send us whatever feedback you've got. I'd, I'd love to hear from you just right in the uh, podcast review area or whatever you call it. I'm new to this. But thank you so much. Big up to Radio Today for the continued support. Omni Studio as well, who are my podcasting hosts. So if you're listening to this on various different platforms, it is because of them. So thank you so much. And to all my friends and my radio fam who are backing me and helping me get this off the ground. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week. But for now, I can't wait to listen to 606 right now on the way back home. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Things I love about you. My decade in radio by Polly James. Supported by Radio Today.